welcome back to the podcast. This is But What's Next with me, Michelle Reed. Today's episode is going to be an advice column episode. So I've always kind of done these here and there on YouTube, but never on a podcast. I love my friend Katie Bilotti's podcast. Her podcast is called Thick and Thin, and she does these episodes. They're called Dear Katie. I don't know if she still does them. I feel like I haven't heard her do one in a while, but they're called Dear Katie, and people basically submit just random advice questions, and I think that they're really fun. I'm obviously not highly skilled to be a therapist of any sort and I do not have all the answers but I think that if you guys listen to this podcast and you feel comfortable asking me questions you probably have kind of the same sort of frame of mind as me so I think that's why a lot of people ask me these questions and they range from all over the place I honestly haven't even read them all I kind of thought it would be fun just to read them for the first time so I had you guys submit me questions at my email for the podcast and if you guys ever want to be in one of these episodes I always let you guys know if I'm recording one on my Instagram which is just at Michelle Reed m-i-c-h-e-l-l-e-r-e-e-d and that will just take you to my instagram where i will always ask you guys for questions and then i had you guys email me so that is kind of how i did it i just can't do dm submissions because things get really chaotic there's no way to really sort dms but on an email it's just easier so that is how i did it for this episode i think it's going to be really good i kind of just wanted to start this episode with just a little chat a little life update i don't even have any like big updates i just kind of like starting the podcast with just a little intro that's not just diving straight in and so today is actually Wednesday when I'm recording this and today was a very exciting day because I finally got to meet new people. I feel like in these days it's so rare that you just get to meet someone new and so my manager actually came into town along with another employee that my management is hiring. And so I got to meet her and meet him for the first time. And I've been managed by him since March. I feel like I know him, but it was just so different to get to sit down and have a nice lunch. We went to this place called, I think it was Cork and Pig in Las Colinas, Texas. It was so yummy if you guys are in the area. Oh my goodness. We got, he got like a steak sandwich and it looked so good. I had food envy. And then I just got a salad and she got a salad too. Her name is Helen and his name is Andrew and it was just really nice. And it made me want to record this podcast because I'm definitely an introvert, but even nowadays I get so charged being around people because I'm just not around new people a lot. And I've said in a lot of episodes, I miss my friends. I miss a lot of things about life as it used to be. And we moved here, so it's just been kind of isolating and It hasn't been that bad though. I've really been enjoying just spending a lot of time with Aiden in our apartment. We're finally finishing up our whole apartment. We have a few things left that we need to get, but we created like this little cozy nook in our apartment and I worked on that this week and I just think it's really cute. It'll be a nice place to do some reading. I worked a lot on this podcast. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I finally have ads in my podcast, which is a big moment. I've been wanting to have ads on here. They're so weird how they work though because you basically insert a slot and whenever you get a deal on a podcast, it just runs on your podcast for a month or however long the campaign is. So I don't even know when you're listening to this if there are ads because everyone listens to podcasts at different times because they have such a long shelf life. All that to say, in this moment of time, I officially have ads, which is just exciting because I've done 25 episodes just totally for free. It's just been like a way of me spending my time. It's been a hobby, but obviously now when you put so much time into something, it's nice to get just a little bit of money back. I definitely don't think podcast ads work the same as YouTube. You definitely, at least for me, 
don't make as much off of them. They're not like <laughs> I'm rolling in the dough. It's just literally like side change. It's nice to have. And on the topic of money, this is something that I wanted to mention because, oh, I was putting ads in these podcasts and I was just listening at all the different audio that this podcast is have. I'm not super skilled with the audio and I'm going to upgrade my audio here soon. My last episode I did with my sister Jamie was just horrendous to listen to. I'm so sorry. I thought all the settings were right and I just don't think they were because it sounded funky, but I am going to upgrade my equipment. I'm planning on upgrading all my equipment. So my microphones, my video cameras that I use for YouTube, everything's getting an upgrade. It's just probably going to be in next month because I'm a budgeter guys. I don't know how people just buy everything the minute that they need them obviously this is for my business so it's very important to have but I just can't spend that much money at once and we had some bills to pay this month we got some stuff for our apartment and so once the new budget rolls over for November I'm probably going to invest in those things so it's definitely coming I just want to practice what I preach I feel like I talk about money a lot in this podcast and I'm having Rachel Cruz on this podcast. If you guys don't know, Rachel Cruz is Dave Ramsey's daughter. If you don't know Dave Ramsey, he does a lot of budgeting videos, helps people, especially who are in debt. Great resource if you guys are in need of that. I am probably going to refer to him in a question I get. I'm sure someone's going to ask about money and I just think he's great. And it feels like coming full circle because I have always listened to Dave Ramsey since I was a kid, and when I saw Rachel Cruz pop up in my email box, I was like, oh my goodness, it's meant to be, so I'm excited to have her on, but all that to say, new equipment is coming soon, I promise, it is just going to take a little bit of time. So we are now going to hop into the advice. I'm not going to say anyone's name just because I want to keep it anonymous and most of them are a little bit longer. So just stick with me. So this one says, first of all, I'm very excited for this podcast. I am following you on YouTube since I started college around five years ago. And we have a lot in common and I look forward to listening to your advice. So nice. I also want to let you know that I am from Montreal, Canada, and my first language is French. So excuse me if there are some mistakes in this email. It sounds like this is a perfect email. I'm looking over it and it seems like it's perfect. It says, I moved in an apartment with my boyfriend of two years this summer and as much as we love having our own apartment, we are looking forward to buying a home. I am graduating from university this fall and I will be starting my nine to five job in January. As for my boyfriend, he still has three remaining years of university to do, but he's already a great amount of savings to buy his first home. I know that your situation with Aiden is different, but I would like to know how are you planning to save for your down payment? And if you have a certain goal as for the amount that you want to put down as a down payment. I know that our rules and laws might be different since we are not living in the same country, but I'll be really interested in knowing your plans for your future house. I really love this question. She also said a lot of other stuff below, but I just want to say thank you for the below stuff. I'm just trying to keep this a little bit faster. So for us, we, this was actually something I was responding to a subscriber the other day. Our biggest saving goal right now is for a down payment on a house. We are both 22. And so we kind of told ourselves by the time we're 24, we really want to buy a house. I think it's the next kind of step in investments for us. We each have our retirement. We have enough cash saved. We have our investments in terms of like investing in the stock market. And that's something that I used to be really just scared of doing. I like to see my money in my account. I don't want it elsewhere, but I just can't tell you how 
beneficial it is to have money in the stock market to see it growing. I know it's not for everyone, but another good way to invest is just in real estate. And so that's the next kind of level for us. Right now, there is a lot, a lot of competition in the housing market. I had my friend who was actually one of my bridesmaids. She just bought a house and the process was insane. It was crazy busy just to like get everything together. A lot of competition, a lot of people who are moving out of big cities and buying houses. And so it's definitely competitive, but all that to say, we really do want to buy a house soon. And for us, we would like to at least put down 20% on a house. I know it's different for everyone. I know now you can have like 5% down on a house and get a certain kind of loan. You definitely don't need 20%, but that's just for us. That would be like a good spot for us to be in. And I think the biggest way to save, there's two ways. And there's one way that I don't really think people say it is just practically a lot easier to save when you're making more money. And so I have been trying to be smart about accepting certain opportunities and not accepting others and really trying to look at my social media in terms of new ways for new revenue streams. And my podcast is another thing I just said, starting ads, starting to just see how we can make more money here and there on different things. Aiden also has a full-time job and I can just say it's a lot easier to save money with two incomes and especially because we're married, I just feel like it's easy to have joint goals because we have a shared vision of what we want and I used to be all about using certain apps to cut my spending so I would use this app called Empower and they track all of your spending, they put it in categories and they give you like a report at the end of the month of how your savings were and you can have a savings goal. And I think that those apps are really helpful if you are new to budgeting. Can just say since getting married, we have a manual budget that we put in Excel where we track all of our purchases, we categorize them, we see month over month. It's very analytical. Adam works in finance, so it's just a lot easier for him to like see everything on a big Excel spreadsheet. And before now, I don't think that I was as conscious about actually sticking to a budget because I wasn't manually putting in my purchases. But when you see, oh, I spent $100 at Target this day and then I spent $80 on Zara or $50 on Amazon, you just kind of begin to see when you're manually putting it into a sheet how some of your purchases aren't as necessary. And also I think it's important to know that some years of your life are savings years or savings months and then some are spending months, spending years. I talked about this in kind of a past episode, but we've definitely been in kind of a spending phase in terms of the wedding. That was such a big spend phase. We bought our car in cash, which was really a lot of spending to do. And then we also furnished our entire apartment. And sometimes I kind of get down on myself, like it's harder to save certain periods. But then I think we had to furnish this place. We needed a bed. We needed a mattress. We needed this. Sometimes I'll forget that we bought our car and we don't have car payments. So you just kind of have to visualize, okay, now we're in a savings period. And so we kind of told ourselves at this date, this is when we're really going to be more conscious. And it's hard. It's hard to shift when you've gone from a spending phase to a savings phase. But yeah, I would just say to do a manual sheet if you're trying to save and just kind of know I want to save X amount each month towards our down payment. So we kind of set a tracker. Okay, if we save X amount for the next 12 months, we'll have this saved for a house. So that is just kind of how we are doing it. I know everyone is different. I think the only way you can really save money is to cut your spending or make more money. So this one is kind of also a money question. It says, I'm getting married next October to the man of my dreams. We've been living together for over two years now. We've been renting our house. Once we get married, we'd either like to buy the house we've been 
renting or search for another one to buy. My credit score is horrible due to my student loans and I'm scared for him to see. I know once we're married, he will eventually see it. And I know honesty and transparency is so important, but I'm just so nervous. I made a goal to myself to start paying all my loans this year, but money is tight. I guess I'm just looking for some peace of mind and to know that my feelings are valid. What would you do in this situation? I know that this is really hard. It can be really hard, especially, I guess I'll just say from being married, there is like a lens on all the things that you didn't really notice were insecurities or you didn't know you were ashamed of. They see everything. <laughs> they And I know everyone's different in marriage. Not everyone combines finances. Not everyone views marriage in the same light but if you are marrying someone there is just going to be more transparency there i will say you'll just feel closer if there is you know a sense of shared goals that i talked about and i think this does comes with knowing kind of how the other person views finances and so i would just say you can't sit in shame for your credit score you know as a christian i believe god has grace for us i believe god forgives us and I think that guilt and shame are so different. Guilt is a way that you feel to get you to act on it, that your mind is telling you that, hey, this needs to change. Hey, I feel guilty about this. But shame is when you sit in that and you make it your identity and you hide it from people. And I think if you're sitting in shame, that's really bad. I mean, if this is the guy that you're getting married to, he loves you. He loves you despite your credit score. He loves you despite your debt despite all these things. And I believe once you get married, you become one and you take on each other's burdens. And I would just say that it would be very helpful for you to let him know the situation that you're in. Also, because once he knows, he will be able to support you and help you stay accountable if you guys are trying to buy a house. I don't necessarily know a lot about buying a house, but I believe one person can buy it without the other person being on the lease. So I don't know if that is a factor. I'm not really sure, but I do think that you should share your heart with him, but don't feel shameful. Like people make mistakes. Having loans is not the end of the world. People have loans. Paying off debt is very scary. I will just give a plug for Dave Ramsey. My sister just paid off a lot of debt using Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and they lived their life for you know, a couple of years where it was tight, but she had her son Ezra and wanted to be able to stay home and do photography and not be working full time. So they made it work. They lived off not a lot of groceries. They did not live a luxurious life, but now they're debt free. And that's something that they had worked towards for a while. And so I'd highly recommend him if you are trying to get out of your debt, but just know that your feelings are valid. I do think you should tell him, but I also think that you shouldn't sit in shame because it's also a very stressful time right now. We're in a pandemic and money is very tight right now, so it is understandable for sure. Hi, Michelle. First, I would like to start by saying that I love you and the vice question that I have is regarding moving advice. I also think it's sweet. She said she loved me. I love you too. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I may be moving to Oregon within the next year. And so my question is if you have any advice when it comes to meeting new people and finding friends. I am definitely in this boat right now and it's hard. I think the only way you can really meet people is just by reaching out to people, which is so weird and uncomfortable to do. But my neighbor across the street she like randomly reached out and just asked if we could go get coffee and it really made me happy because she also just moved here with her boyfriend and it can be really intimidating for me just to reach out to people and so it makes me really happy when people reach out to me 
and it only shows me that people don't think it's weird when you reach out so I know it may seem kind of awkward but if you have a neighbor if you see people on Instagram I know that may seem weird but a lot of people will meet via Instagram especially in New York when I live there a lot of my friends that I met were just through social media which is crazy and so weird that you can meet people that way but that was another way If you go to church, it's a lot easier to meet people through church or just friends of friends. If you know someone from high school who lives in Oregon, like reach out to them, see maybe if they know friends. It's definitely really hard, but I think that's the only real way that you can or just through work or something like that. This one says, I really love this one. It says, here's my question. I recently started a YouTube channel, which had been a dream of mine for a long time after following vloggers like you for years. When the pandemic hit, it seemed like the right time to jump in and just do it. Although I've been making videos for a few months and getting better at filming, editing, and the like, I've been struggling to figure out how to organically grow my subscribers beyond some supportive real-life friends. I'm not looking to explode and make social media a career, but would love to expand my viewers beyond the people I know and build more of a community. I'm not sure I'm not the only one in this boat. I think a lot of people started making videos during quarantine, so I'm wondering if you have any advice for us new YouTubers. I'm definitely not trying to plug anything here, but I did an episode on becoming a content creator. I'm not sure if you listen. You probably have because you said you listen to my podcast, but I think that that episode was very tangible tips on how to be a content creator, but I think it's weirdly a lot easier now to grow I think it's harder for people like me who've been around for a while because it's like everyone's like oh I've already watched her videos or whatever but I think the biggest ways to organically grow is one just play to the algorithm I'm not saying do clickbait I'm not saying any of those things but notice how you title your videos notice your description see if all of your thumbnails on your videos are cohesive make sure that your videos are probably longer than 10 minutes to keep people engaged Make sure if there is like a big event going on or something that's kind of trendy, like I know the new iPhone is coming out and a lot of times people will find new people to watch by new things that are going on. So if you get the new iPhone and I'm not saying to get the new iPhone, this is just an example. You kind of have to see what's gaining traction and I wish by just doing vlogs, I'm assuming your videos are probably vlogs if you're making videos based off of vloggers. Vlogs are really hard to actually gain followers. A lot of times people will gain followers by a certain video. So I made this video a few months ago. It's like a me trying CEO morning routines. And that video performed really well. It really caught on the algorithm. And that is how I've been getting new followers from a video like that. I also had like a 6 a.m. morning routine and that one got a lot of views. And you can't predict it. You kind of just have to see and try new things and be really mindful of maybe what YouTube is recommending you and see if you can create content like that. And it's not even like you're changing your content, but you're titling your videos maybe a little bit differently. Your thumbnails are a little different or you are doing something that's kind of different than a vlog to get a new viewer based off of how the algorithm will recommend it. And I do not understand the algorithm. I can never predict when a video is gonna do very well. There was a period when I was doing all sorts of videos that were just catching on and doing well and I was growing versus now, my videos are a lot of vlogs, so I'm just not growing as much, which is okay. I have a friend on YouTube, her name is Allison Bickerstaff, and I think her channel is a really great channel to look at. She'll do 
like trying cozy coffee drinks and that video will like really take off but she also does vlogs but people are drawn to her vlogs because they found her through the cozy coffee video so i think that's a tip to organically grow if you like someone's content comment on it and not in a spammy way but just reach out to people that you like and comment that's kind of how i met my friend carissa on instagram she would comment on a lot of my pictures and we'd message go back and forth i met up with her maybe they will like share your profile or something i think that's another good way just to organically grow and just being consistent i know it can be frustrating when you've been doing it for some months now and you're not seeing the kind of traction that you want and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to quit this because there's no point. YouTube really does reward people who are posting very often because if someone finds a video that does well and goes on your channel and they see that you've made a video recently, it just looks better to gaining a subscriber versus making one video that performs really well than never posting again. So I think consistency, making sure you're posting maybe once or twice a week if you can, and then going forward with that. So this one says, I'm writing to you today because I could use some advice on something I feel quite insecure about. It might seem strange to confess to a stranger, but it actually feels less intimidating than telling a friend or someone close to me. I am 22 years old and recently graduated from a college in New York City. You will be missed, Michelle. <laughs> so sweet. I worked so hard my four years at college and graduated at the top of the business school with highest honors. I landed my dream job and work as a financial analyst at a large firm in the city, working remotely currently. I'm extremely proud of my academic and career accomplishments. However, I feel like my college years passed me by. I was so focused on doing well in school and working that I let my social life take a back seat. I never had any crazy college nights or anything of the like. Now I'm living back home in my suburban hometown with my family. I am worried that I wasted my college years and feel as though I'm lagging behind all my friends socially. I've never had a boyfriend or anything remotely close to that. Is it too late for me now to catch up? This really breaks my heart. And I think it breaks my heart because I definitely feel you on this one as someone who also focused a lot on grades and graduated with like a decent GPA and felt like I spent a lot of time in school. It's really tough when you look back and you didn't have maybe that traditional college experience. But this is what I'll say. And this is something that I told myself and something that has come to fruition. That just means that you haven't hit your peak. You know, you kind of have to look back and think of the things that you're grateful for. Just think of all the people who are losing jobs right now and that you are a financial analyst at a large firm. Like that's awesome. That's not to say that your concerns are belittled or not valid because other people are struggling it's just to say you can't look at your college experience and think oh I didn't get anything from it it's like no you have a great job you worked hard you feel fulfilled in academics but maybe just start looking at your life and thinking okay I feel like I missed out on the social side of college so what are some things that I can do to be maybe a little more social and obviously it's hard my sister is also my sister Jamie who I had on my podcast she is living at home with my parents and it can be easy to think oh, I'm just kind of reverting back to life before, not progressing. But just know that you're not alone. So many people have moved back home with their parents. They're working remotely. They're in a suburban hometown. And that is a-okay. Like, that is totally fine. Life isn't necessarily normal right now, so don't treat yourself according to a normal standard. I think that that's really important to recognize. And even with us moving here, I'm kind of like, wow, I wish we were really going out and thriving and meeting all these people and living our best life but instead I'm just thankful that I have so much time to spend with my husband 
we're newlyweds because we spent all this time together. We're working together all the time. And it honestly is so great. And just because it's not the idea of success that I had in my mind, it's our idea of success right now. And that is enough. You're not lagging behind your friends. And it's also okay that you've never had a boyfriend. I know it may seem like everyone has had all these boyfriends. They're having all of these love affairs, but your time will come. I think it's important to focus on yourself. And this is a big thing that I always say when you're trying to find a boyfriend, you would like to have a relationship, but not even that you're trying to, you just would like that. Focus on ways to make yourself a better person. How can you meet friends? Do you like to work out? Do you have hobbies? Are there things that you can do that genuinely make you happy? Because usually when you are feeling fulfilled in all the realms of your life, that is usually when a boy or a girl will come along. And so I just think it's important to keep that in mind. And I just want to validate your feelings and let you know that it is okay. You're not behind and congrats on having a great job. This one says, I am a junior in college and I've always been interested in your advice and how to keep long lasting friendships. I have multiple close friends, but I am meeting a lot of new friends on my campus that I'm clicking really well with. I feel like I struggle with not accepting that some people only come into your life for seasons. What are some characteristics that you require for your friendships or what is your advice on keeping friendships long lasting? Yeah, I think you just can't expect that all the people that come into your life, especially in college, are going to be long lasting friendships. I have so many friends in college or kind of more than acquaintances, I would say. I don't know if they were super close friends. But now I don't really talk to them. You know, we follow each other on Instagram. I like seeing their stuff, but we're not keeping up with each other anymore. And that's okay. It's just hard for me to have a lot of friends. It's hard for me to keep up with a lot of people just because I'd say we're relatively busy here. I'm also married. So I'm kind of like in a different life stage, not necessarily living the same lifestyle as other people. So it can be hard. So I think for me, the things that are important for keeping up a long-term friendships are just one being dependable I think about my three closest friends that I have and they're people who I just feel very close to they're people who I know will always be there people who I know I will just always have in my life and I love the kind of friends where maybe you don't talk for a little bit and then you come back together and things just seem like they hit it off right where you left off. I love that feeling. I think that those are the best friends, but it's also hard for me to be friends with people who don't share the same values. I think that we can hang out and I'm always super nice to people. I think I have a lot of friends who I don't necessarily agree with like all of the decisions that they make, but it's okay. But I think if you're having a really close friendship, Having just shared values and shared goals in life also makes it easier to be friends. And I think in college, that was a thing. I was friends with so many different people, but they weren't people who would naturally be in my life for the long term because we weren't living the same lifestyle, if that makes sense. Um, And I think lastly, something I've learned, you have to keep up with people to keep your friendships long lasting. You know, you have to FaceTime, you have to reach out, you have to do stuff when they're in town, you have to actually be there. And be there all the time, not just when it's convenient for you. And I think whenever I meet someone who makes an effort to do that for me, that is a friend who I know I will want to have for the long term. I'm currently a sophomore at a small liberal arts college. During my senior year of high school, I had my heart set on one school, but I was rejected and so I chose to go to the school I attend now due to the generous scholarship I was awarded. Upon arriving, I immediately regretted my decision and being forced to take classes at home was honestly cathartic and way better for me mentally 
I am on track to graduate a year early, but I am wondering what you think about transferring schools. How did you know that King's was the place for you? Is it better just to push through and get my degree, or do you think that transferring to another school for a year could be worthwhile? Other people have advised me that with COVID and everything, I haven't had the chance to give it a fair shot and that sticking it out is the right decision. However, I feel college is such a big investment to make and I'm not getting my money's worth and really squeezing my sponge dry. Man, this one's hard. I feel like I can see this on both ways. I had some friends at King's who wanted to transfer, friends who did transfer. My actual best friend, who was also one of my bridesmaids, Isabel, she transferred after a year for financial reasons. But I think that everyone is just different and you kind of have to assess for yourself. Sometimes pushing it out is worth it. Sometimes you do have to give it another year to see. I mean, my first year of college, I would say was actually my best year and then it kind of got downhill after that. So I don't necessarily know if pushing it out is worth it. I mean, something that I am struggling with right now with people in college it just seems so crazy to be spending money on college right now when it's all online. I felt that you're really paying for the experience. And so if I, I say this now, I probably wouldn't actually do this, but I think that I would want to take a gap year or something because of COVID and not actually getting to be in the classroom. I think at King's, they're like half in the classroom, half not or something, but then you can't do certain events or you have to meet people with masks on. So it's just not as personal and yeah, half of me is just like, I would just not. It would also be a weird time to transfer because you wouldn't know if the school you're transferring to was actually that way or if it was different because of the pandemic. I think my advice would be just to stick with it. I don't want to be the end-all be-all answer on this. I think that you should trust your parents and your friends more than me on this, but I do think it's worth pushing out. It's just so hard to assess things right now when things are so cloudy. You don't know what's normal because there is no normal right now. And so I would say to push out, but I'm sorry you're going through that. That really stinks. I really only chose Kings because it was in New York City. I've talked about this. I wanted to be in New York City. I also got a scholarship. It made sense. It was flexible. I also got to graduate a year early to save money. And so it just everything kind of made sense to go to Kings. I do always wonder what it would have been like if I went to UT though, because that's the other school I was looking at. But yeah, you just never know. I met my husband Aiden, so I definitely don't regret going to King's, but really only stayed there because of the location. So I think everyone is just different on that. Advice on leaving a job in the best way possible. I have not been able to set boundaries at work and the pay isn't worth it anymore, but I'm having trouble quitting. So I don't know what kind of job this is, if it's a salary job, if it's a certain industry, because typically I'm just assuming this is like a traditional nine to five. So not not an hourly job, but I would say you should just talk to your manager and let them know how you're feeling. Let them know the kind of boundaries that you wish you had. Just have a clear and honest communication because maybe they'll be on the same page and be okay with you quitting. Maybe they'll really want to keep you, so maybe they will up your pay. You just don't know. I think you just have to be honest and I know that that can be really intimidating, but for me, whenever I set that meeting with my manager, it was one of those things that I was feeling so stressed and so behind and I knew if I kept feeling this way I was going to perform worse at work because I just it wasn't sustainable to work the way I was and so I set up that meeting and I was so nervous I thought I was going to pee my pants. You deserve to have clear and open communication. I think that my manager really appreciated that. She offered for me to go part-time. She said I could scale off an account. She said that I could just give it a day or two and think about it and then decide. So people will usually work with you. 
But I would say if you're trying to quit, I wouldn't recommend just going in and quitting. Like have some talking points down, maybe just write down points and actually write down what you're going to say. My professor that I had on who talked about negotiating your salary, she talked about how just like writing down your talking points because when you get in there, sometimes the nerves, the adrenaline really skews your mind. And so you want to make sure you can look down and know what you're going to say. So kind of have an idea. That's what I did. But I gave six weeks for my agency job. Usually two weeks is pretty traditional, I would say, but maybe give them some advance notice so you're not kind of leaving with the wrong image or any of that. So this one, I think we got some roommate drama. So let's see. It says, I live with two roommates and one of them is a very close friend of mine. We have lived together for more than three years now and the other one just moved in with us in July. I absolutely love living with them, yet sometimes we annoy each other or have some heated discussions. But all in all, I love having roommates. But I also want to live with my partner in our own apartment and build a life together. I don't know what to do. I hate the thought of not living together with my best friend, especially because we made such wonderful memories in this apartment and got through so many bad times together. I feel like all these memories would fade if I moved out and if all the good times we had would be lost. I want to preserve the memories by not moving forward and I'm scared that I'm losing a friend if I leave. But on the other hand, moving in with my boyfriend is also really important to me and I hate every time we have to say goodbye to go to our own apartments. I'm just so scared of change, scared of what will come, and I'm afraid that I will regret my decision. I thought maybe you have some advice or that you felt similar when you moved in with Aiden. So this one is a little bit different for me to answer because I have talked about this in a lot of videos and you probably know because I feel like I've said it way too many times, but I waited to move in with Aiden until we were married. That was just something we wanted to do. That was something that I personally wanted to do. I felt like moving in together was a really big commitment. And if I was willing to move in with someone, I wanted it to be the person I was going to spend, you know, the rest of my life with. And I know that's kind of crazy now because people will say, it's crazy to not know someone's quirks before you move in together. I also think if you've been dating for four years, you kind of know their quirks. But yeah, everyone's different. I just want to say that is kind of my preface. So I'm probably naturally against moving in with a boyfriend in general. But I will say just from my own personal experience, I had a lot of great roommates throughout college. And I definitely feel like you feel closer to someone when you're living with them in terms of your roommates. And it can be hard when you move out with them, especially if you have a good situation going for you. But I will also say, it sounds like you've been doing this for three years. So it's not like you've only lived with your friend for a year and things are really great and you feel like you're abandoning her. It's like, you've been doing this for three years. So maybe you do want to try something new. But I will say, I think, oh, this is so hard because I just don't know how to answer it because I just have different ideas of what I would like to do. I don't think you should stay living with your friends for the sake of making them feel okay. If you're just staying there because you don't want to make them feel bad, I think you're going to grow in resentment the longer that you're not living with your boyfriend if that's what you want to do. So my personal advice would be just to maybe talk to your friend about it. If they're actually your friend, maybe they'll give you good advice and talk to your boyfriend. You know, it's a big commitment moving in with someone and sometimes it can put a strain on your relationship, but I know a lot of people live with their boyfriends and it works, so everyone's just different. But I did really appreciate when I was dating Aiden, living with my roommates. I felt like it was kind of, while it was sad that we left each other at night, it left kind of some distance for the love to grow fonder. 
it really made me appreciate getting to move in with him once we were married now. So it's kind of like the distance makes the heart grow fonder. But again, we did that for four years and then we got married and moved in together. So it's definitely a tough situation. I would just be thankful too that you like your roommates because so many people don't like their roommates. And the fact that it's making it so hard for you to make this decision just shows that you probably have a strong friendship that is always going to last despite if you're living with your friend or not. I've been watching you since you got engaged. I love your story and feel like we're similar in so many ways. I'm about to get married in January and have never lived away from my parents before. Do you have any advice on how to not be nervous for the first move or how to prep to make the transition smooth? This one's tough. I can definitely say it's a lot different not living with your parents because even though I lived alone, so I lived alone in New York City for three years or four years. And then I moved home in March during the pandemic and I just spent a lot of time at home. So it felt like I was really living with my parents that when I moved in with Aiden, it was just so weird not being in a house with my family. There were also a lot of people at my house. So it just went from a big house of always having groceries, having my mom do most of the cleaning. This is just how my house worked then. Like my mom doing laundry because my mom likes to be the one who uses her washer and dryer. She doesn't want like everyone using it. It's just a lot different when you move in with your husband, but I can say it's so exciting. There's just so much newness. And if you're marrying someone who has grace and who's patient, it just makes the experience a lot easier. I think that Aiden and I both kind of admitted from the beginning that it's going to be hard when you're moving away from your family for the first time. So he, his family's in Vermont. Like he's so far from his family and he moved to Dallas and we live here together. And you kind of just have to accept that this is you starting your own family, even if it's just the two of you guys, but don't be nervous. I think the thing that's helped me the most is just being open with Aiden about how I'm feeling. If you know, today specifically, I felt like I just really miss my friends a lot and I never want my sadness or my frustration to lash out on him. And so I'll just tell him how I'm feeling and then we can have a conversation about it. He can empathize with me and it makes us feel closer. So I think having good communication and honesty, if you are just feeling nervous, you're feeling sad, not because you're nervous to move in with your husband, not because you're nervous to move away from your parents or whatever, but just to be honest about your feelings, it can make you closer to your husband, which also helps just your living situation in general. Something that we did to prep beforehand, so we did premarital counseling, and I think it's really important before you move in together, or I don't, I can't tell if you're moving in with your husband for the first time, if you're moving cities, but I think something that helped us was just maybe visualize how it was living with your parents and visualize the things that you liked about that. So for me, I really liked that my mom cooked because I like cooking, and I really liked how my dad came home and would kind of work on the house. He would do stuff that he needed to do. I like, I liked that my dad took out the trash. It just was like a nice thing to see. And so you kind of have to see the tasks that you like in your family and make sure you can incorporate those into your new household. And obviously they're not always going to overlap. Like maybe your husband grew up a different way than you did. And you do have to adjust and do things that you didn't do before or give up tasks that he likes more. But I think trying to kind of mimic in slight ways how you were raised, the things that you liked in your new life, that can make that transition just a little bit easier. So I'd recommend doing that. And just don't be nervous. I do think just being open and honest with your husband about how you're feeling, about 
you know, moving because no one really talks about when you get married, kind of that feeling of distance between you and your family. And you can always go see your family. That's the thing. They're always there. I'm so thankful that my family <laughs> lets us come over like every weekend if we want to. I'm not sure how close you are going to be to your family, but just knowing that they're always there and just because you're getting married doesn't mean that you're separated from your family now. It's not like that by any means. And I think that there's this idea, this was something that a lot of people told me that I just don't agree with. It's that once you get married, you know, you're your own family unit, you are very separate from your old families. And I just don't think that's true. That's not how I want to live my life. I love my family so much. Aiden loves his family. Our families are still a very big part of our lives and I wouldn't want it any other way. And I think that that's okay. And I think that's also healthy. Oh, I love this question. So this one says, longtime viewer who loves your videos slash podcast. My question is, how do you handle tense relationships with your partner's parents? My boyfriend and I have been together for years now and it's not that I don't get along with his parents. It's just that we kind of have an awkward relationship. I feel like his parents don't like my beliefs and opinions, which is totally okay, but they think less of me because of it, which is not okay. How would you handle that situation? Ooh, yeah, I also just kind of want to normalize it's okay if you have different opinions than I'm just going to say your in-laws, even though I know this is your boyfriend. I'm just saying in-laws because I don't want to say boyfriend's parents. You likely won't have the same beliefs because a lot of times, you know, your boyfriend or your girlfriend's parents aren't necessarily a replica of your boyfriend or girlfriend. They're much different than their parents. And I think that that's okay. I think it's harder when it is your boyfriend because I think in marriage, when you're getting married to someone, the other family kind of has to welcome you in. And it makes me a little sad when I hear stories like I listened to What We Said podcast and they did a whole episode on in-law horror stories and it was kind of funny but it was also just sad to think I cannot believe there are people who are so mean who don't accept another family member in like we have so many different family members in my family a lot of us are married and I just feel like we always welcome the other person in my sister's married my brother Derek's married I'm married my brother Jordan's married like everyone except Jamie and so there are a lot of people and everyone's been welcomed everyone's been included my mom does such a great job of always texting and calling and really just staying in touch with everyone and making sure everyone knows that they're very much included in the family. And that is how I want to do ours because I just think that's so good. I think the only thing you can do is just be respectful and maybe try to break the ice where you can. Maybe offer to, I don't know if this would be weird, but do something with your boyfriend's mom or your boyfriend's dad, offer to do things together. Maybe instead of just hanging out with your boyfriend on a Saturday, be like, hey, can we do something with your parents? That's fun that maybe they would like to do and try to get a deeper relationship. You said you guys have been together for years now. So I'm assuming that there are probably some conversations that have come up that maybe you have different beliefs and they're kind of like, whoa, those aren't the same beliefs as us. I think it gets to a point where you can kind of talk about it. You know, it came to a point within our relationship where we felt like we could talk about our different opinions with our in-laws and it wasn't a controversial thing if you can have like a healthy dialogue around it and maybe just be open like why does this bother you that I think that and just be open which is very scary and honestly I'm so hypocritical to say that just because I hate conflict I will not provoke conflict that's not something I want to do or I think another thing that's important to do is tell your boyfriend tell him how you're feeling and maybe he can ask about it 
because it's not necessarily always your place to bring it up, I think. If it's something that he can kind of provoke the conversation and maybe be open to his parents, I think it's easier when you're married to someone because you are a family unit and there is a sense of when I get married to my husband, I want my husband to defend me to his parents. Like, I just think that's healthy. I think that's wise. I would want him to stick up for me in all cases. I think that's important and just to take my side. Unless I'm being totally unreasonable. But for the most part, I think that the person you're with should always be taking your side. So maybe see if he can say something. I'm so sorry you're going through this. I know it's really awkward. Also just know your relationship that you have with your quote in-laws doesn't have to be the same as someone else's. I know you might see on social media people are really friendly with their boyfriend or girlfriend's parents and they just seem like one big happy family. But that's not always the case and it's probably more often than not not the case in most people's relationships. So just know that and know that it's okay, it's normal, but I am really sorry you're going through that. So those are all of the advice submissions that I'm going to respond to. I hope this was helpful. I tried to cover an array of issues and things and I hope that it just entertained you on this Monday and I hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday. If you liked this podcast, I've been hearing more often people are finding my podcast before my YouTube channel, which I just think is so interesting and it means a lot to me. But if you don't know, I have a YouTube channel. <laughs> you should check it out. And also just know if you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Monday that this is up because I know I personally don't listen to all my podcasts the day they come up, but if that's something that you're really interested in it feel free to subscribe on apple podcasts or spotify or wherever you get your podcasts but i'm so thankful for you guys thank you for listening and i'll talk to you guys next week bye friends